You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Tuesday, but sometimes on a Wednesday, I speak to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Wealth in Cape Town. It's a quiet week data-wise and also results-wise, Joanne, as people uh, wind down to the end of a year, which is probably best put behind most of us. Some people have done very well out of it. Other people are sort of fed up at various levels. I am on a couple of levels. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty fed up. I think it's been a long year. I think we're all absolutely sick of talking about COVID, even though it keeps getting worse in parts of the world. Uh, markets have been all over the place. Admittedly, if you bought aggressively in March, you're looking very clever. If you didn't, not so much. It, it's been a difficult year. Uh, markets have run ahead of fundamentals, in my opinion. But that's kind of the euphoria we're seeing right now. It's, it's been an interesting year. Suddenly, I can't find a single bear. Everyone's bullish. So it's been quite an interesting year. It is interesting. What do you make of the fact that the flows into mutual funds in the United States of America hit $115 I think, in the month of November? I think that was the figure. Don't quote me on it. But anyway, it was a record number of inflows. And most of that, of course, is the retail environment, I think. And if that's the case, then they often get it wrong. That's the only only thing I think the bears can cling on to, apart from there are some technical indicators which suggest we're way overbought in certain sectors. Well, you know, it comes to say, you know, I think everyone's bullish on the fund management side, on the kind of investment strategist side. But just before you and I spoke now, I read a thing from John Adders talking about what pension fund asset allocators are doing with their money. And it's quite interesting, both in Europe and in sort of the US, they're a lot more cautious than the fund managers are and investment strategists are. And, and they seem to think this market's got a bit ahead of itself. So the, the people with lots of money, the endowment funds, the sovereign wealth funds, are a lot more cautious about 2021. And they continue to think the economies won't recover at quite the same speed that the markets are expecting. So we've said this for ages, you know, what the difference between Main Street and Wall Street is still huge. You've still got a problem with people still losing jobs. You've still got companies going under, and yet the stock market's rallying like it's Christmas. So you've got to you've got to disconnect between the two. I mean, I'm not. I'm sure you've spoken to quite a few people about their 2021 forecasts. Yes. And everyone that I've spoken to says, "Oh no, next year is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a very strong bullish equity market." And you kind of kind of wonder, hmm, when everyone's saying that, is that going to be the case? Yeah, I was speaking to an economist yesterday about the South African GDP figures. I want to come home uh, for for a moment, if we can, and seeing that 66% jump after the 52% fall and the monthly numbers, (coughs) month on month, quarter on quarter, all that sort of thing. I was was bombarded with numbers, but volatility was the key. Now, the overall conclusion was that the South African economy will probably shrink by around about 8%. In 2020, once the next numbers come mm-hmm. through, the key now is to say, okay, we escaped a little bit there because some people were forecasting 15 to 20% fall, Joanne. The key is next year, will certain businesses reopen? Will certain businesses that laid off people rehire those people? Or will they use COVID-19 as an excuse for keeping the workforce lower? And I'm not talking about the public sector, of course, because they'll never do that, but the private sector. So it's all to do with, I think, not so much what's happened this year as how we react next year first and second quarters. That, that's my opinion, both for the economy and for the stock markets. Okay, so let's go back to the economy. You talk about South Africa like we're a different animal. I think around the world, a lot of companies won't rehire their staff. So I think companies that have learned to do with less will continue to do with less. So I think that's a global phenomenon. As to South Africa in terms of our, do we have a V-shaped recovery? Is next year going to be fantastic? Look, there's no doubt from a very low base we're going to recover. But will we recover back to where we were in 2019? My feeling is it'll take a couple of years. 
So it's not going to get there as fast as people think it's going to get there. And and don't forget, we are starting to see COVID increases in the end. Well, at the moment in South Africa, we're starting to see quite a lot of COVID increases. What if we get another lockdown in early January? What if we get locked down in February or March? You know, these things will have a huge impact on the economy in 2021. And it looks like, from what I'm seeing, we're only going to get a vaccine in South Africa in sort of June, July. And, and the worry from that perspective is, that governments, particularly South Africa, will say, well, wait a minute, we're getting the vaccine in June, July. Let's save as many lives as we can until we get the vaccine. So let's go into another punitive lockdown. That's my worry. Because you can see it in Europe. That's what they're doing everywhere. They're saying, well, the yes. vaccine's coming. Let's go into lockdown now to preempt any deaths. Now, the problem with that is you have the whole debate again between lives and livelihoods. So back to the, your question, Lindsay, we should see a very nice recovery in 2021 from a lower base. Will it go back to 2019 levels? I think that will take a couple of years. And I think a number of companies won't open again. Yes, I believe so. And if you look at the, the, the Europe-wide situation in the Netherlands, which is where I reside at the moment, everything's closed. And everyone thought that maybe they would make a concession because it's the holiday period. No, all restaurants and uh, bars closed until further notice and because they're taking it very seriously. And the difference is between the certain European countries is discipline. The Dutch are very disciplined about this. So they say, well, if we're told to do this, then that's fine. They may not like it, but they're certainly not going to protest. So it'll be very interesting to see how the different models work out. The one thing that's very interesting as well, and it keeps on coming up, there's two things actually, the bond market, the US 10-year versus mm-hmm. the two-year, and both of those in isolation. And also the performance of the small caps, for example, the Russell 2000 in the United States last night went to an all-time record high and some of the small caps on the JSC Securities Exchange which were down and out have suddenly been resuscitated with monetary ventilators it's extraordinary what's gone on <laughs> off you know sub monetary 1 billion companies yes. Lindsay that's got to be the comment of the year monetary <laughs> ventilators I think it's a lot to do with risk appetite so you are seeing a cyclical recovery in the world or one anticipates a cyclical recovery. So just take third quarter South Africa. Yes, we, we recovered quite nicely. Is it sustainable? Yes, we're saying it's going to continue in 2021. What happens in 2022 and 23? Different story. But for now, you know, the risk appetite's back in the markets. That's why you're seeing small caps pick up very quickly. You're also anticipating, some people are at least, some sort of inflation movement next year because the reality is the value versus growth trade will not be sustainable unless we see interest rates rising or at least we see a little bit of inflation tick up. So you've got to have those two coming through. Otherwise, we'll go back to the growth story. And small caps are a bit like value stocks. They're incredibly cheap. It's all to do with risk appetite. And and risk appetites are high at the moment. You know, people are feeling very, very bullish about the world. My only concern is that everyone seems to be bullish. But, you know, some of these stocks are in P's of three or four. (laughs) You know, can double quite easily from those levels. Yes. But But will the earnings come through? Yeah, I think in the long run, that's a different story. But we're definitely, from a base effect, are going to see very strong earnings next year. There's no doubt about it. Yes, we will. And again, can they be sustained? Who knows? That's the, that's the $64,000 question. Looking at geographies for next year, we've mm-hmm. sort of touched on South Africa a little bit. And the inflation rate came out today at 3.2%. A lot of that is to do with the, the strength in the rand, which has gone from a big figure of 19 to a big figure of 14 in a matter of months, which is an astonishing performance, but entirely justified given, what's, um, given the recovery in other asset classes. What geographies do you like? And what sectors in those geographies do you like looking forward to two 2021, which we must do, because I'm sure you're going on holiday soon. Um, so emerging markets, I think you and I have talked about a lot of times. I like Asia emerging markets. I still think that's a great opportunity for clients or for people in the markets. 
Um, the FTSE could be quite interesting. UK assets have been an absolute dog for years now. So I think if you're looking for a real value trade, I think UK assets looks very interesting, UK and Europe. But again, you know, we need growth to pick up. So we need to get start seeing some strong growth numbers next year, which everyone's expecting. But I think the UK could be an interesting investment opportunity if you pick wisely. Uh, and there you've got a lot of small cap and mid cap stocks that have done nothing for years and some decent dividend yielding companies. So I think that's an interesting opportunity. And then locally, look, maybe I'm wrong here and I clearly have been in the short term, but I, I still think SA Inc. assets are a trade. I don't think they're a buy and hold. Mm. I think we've got structural problems in the SA economy, and I still prefer to be in the SA bond markets where you have very, very decent yield than in SA equities generally. I'm talking about SA Inc. now. Uh, and the thing is, you know, people talk about the Tina argument. Remember that one? There's no alternative because you must mm. buy equities because bonds don't give you anything. Well, South Africa, we don't have that. In South Africa, you can buy bonds and get decent yields. So I still think that that deserves a place in any kind of client portfolio. It's having quite a bit of fixed income sitting there. So for growth assets, I think emerging markets, I like the story there, particularly in Asia, Europe if you, or in UK for a bit of a value play. And look, you don't want to not have any growth assets. If, if these companies' prices come down, you still want to be a buyer of them because ultimately those are the companies you want to own. But in the short term, though, Markets look very interesting. I mean, are you clearly have been following the Tesla story like everyone else in the world? Oh, yes. I had a, a thing on, on a Tuesday night with David Shapiro and Nick Kunza, my two co-hosts on, on the show. Yes. I have something called the Tuesday Trade. And I think it was only two weeks ago. I thought, I'm putting in a tight stop, gentlemen, but I'm going short of Tesla at 4.48. Then my stop is $25 above that. I think about three minutes later, I was knocked out. <laughs> It's unbelievable. No, it's, it's, it's 650 it's or something. Look, I mean, give credit to Elon Musk. Knowing full well that he's going to have his shares put into the S&P 500 at the tracker perspective, he's now raising another $5 billion. So he's saying to the market, if you're stupid enough to pay up for my shares, well, I'll give them to you. And he's raised more cash. I mean, I think the number I saw today is that, that's right, this is a man who, I think it wasn't that long ago, was going to have a rights issue to raise money because they were in such trouble from a yes. financial perspective. It was about 250 Can the share price then, I think. Yeah. No, it's a lot less than it is currently. Yes. And he was willing to do that, a lot less, okay? If this next $5 billion of funding goes through, he will have $20 billion of cash on his balance sheet. And that's just raising money in the market for people who are just so desperate to buy Tesla shares. So, you know... When you look at the market today, it does feel very euphoric to me. And, and we talked a lot about Tesla and the valuation compared to other companies. But have you heard of the one called Snowflake? Yes, Snowflake and AMD, usurping AMD and a, and a couple of others. Yes, Snowflake, the cloud company. I don't quite understand what it does because I'm a, I'm a Luddite and a thicko. But I, I, I have been following it a, a little bit. What an astonishing story that is. Well, here's another astonishing story. So just let's go back to really boring accounts, okay? Yes. So you have it's it's as you pointed out, it's got a higher market cap than AMD and IBM. But here's some interesting <laughs> stats for you. So Snowflake, I love the name. Its revenue is estimated to be five hundred million dollars in the current fiscal year. Yes. Okay. And has a market cap over where's the number here? Over hundred billion dollars. Compare that to AMD, yes. which has ten billion dollars in billion, revenue exactly. and the same market and the same market cap. Now, I'm not saying for one second that these companies aren't disruptors; they're doing exciting things. But gosh, you're paying for it. <laughs> you're not getting them for free. So, again, back to Tesla and these kind of companies. It does feel like a bit like eerie 2000 to me right now on some of these stocks. Not all of them, 
But some of these stocks are looking a little bit ridiculous. But, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Because if we do see small caps doing better and we do see um, we see the cyclical trade start to do better, a lot of these um, growth companies could come under major pressure, particularly, as you pointed out, if interest rates in the state starts to rise. Because the other thing is, if the economic activity gets better next year, okay, why should the Fed keep pumping liquidity into the markets? If things start to recover, why do we need all this money? Yes, maybe they'll actually withdraw liquidity and start rebuilding yes. their balance sheet and start to, you know, uh, the bean counters at the Fed will say, well, now that things we've done what we're supposed to have done from the GFC, when was that? 2008, 2009? I can't remember yeah, now. It's so right. long ago. Yeah. Now we have to start redressing the balance, I think. Well, absolutely. I mean, the Chinese are apparently going to start reducing their credit next year because they put a lot of credit to the markets because they know it's unsustainable. So what happens when they start taking liquidity out of the system? If the Fed, and you know, remember, it's a flow argument. So it's not the actual balance sheet, it's a flow argument. The Americans don't have to take money out. They just have to stop putting money in. Yeah. And if they do that, what will happen to stock markets? So I think where stocks are cheap and earnings are recovering, you might want to buy more of those. But if you've paying up very high PE multiples on growth rates 20 years in the future, that could be interesting if interest rates start rising. So going to be an interesting 2021, there's no doubt about it. But but ultimately, the vaccine news has been a game changer. You and I have talked about that many times. Things are going to get better. And hopefully 2021 is not a repeat of 2020. No, I'd like the volatility. I'd like the interest. I'd like the constant flow of news, but not with the the extreme volatility and extreme negativity followed by extreme positivity. I can do without that. I'm too old for that sort of thing. (laughs) Joanne, are you going away and or are we speaking next week? Uh, No, no, this is my last show for the year. Hang Uh, up my boots, take a break. Okay, in that case, thank you so much for your contributions all year. That's Joanne Bainham from Sterling Wealth. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.